Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Hanley and Xander, ESPN 1000, here till 1230, where Tyler Aki picks up things with the pregame show. And then Connor McNutt on the play-by-play here on ESPN 1000 with DJ today is the first pitch against the Rangers. is thrown at 110, trying to win the second game of the three-game series. Yesterday was within reach, and it was a mess. Lots to talk about if you want to jump in. 312-332-3776. Talking about the Cubs, too, and... Your very first concert. Now, Brian, you were on uh, Twitter and you responded to somebody. And, you know, when you're on Twitter, you see somebody that you're connected to respond to something. Then I jumped on and it was a good point to uh, see what everybody else wants to say as far as, you know, their first concert. Your very first concert was in the bicentennial year of 1976. 16 year old just got my driver's license. I don't know. My parents were, you know, why they let me drive. The and, and what a lucky man you were. Yeah, there you go. Say la vie. Um, at the ELP, Emerson Lake and Palmer, at the International Amphitheater, um, at which, you know, near the, the stockyards, and you yeah, can smell. Yeah, you can yeah. smell that fine yeah. smell. Yeah. And uh, can't just smell that smell, the smell that surrounds you. <laughs> um, and I actually saw Steve Martin there after that. I was oh, like was, he, the, was he the wild and crazy guy? Yeah, with the arrow on his head. It was like the, <laughs> yeah, last row, right. the last row watching stand-up comedy from a mile away. Um but yeah, and he filled looked, that place, didn't he, at that time? He absolutely he did. He was a huge, absolutely huge. I saw him at some at some um, school or church out in Elmhurst, I want to say, when he was first starting. And after the show, he continued on the show, on the steps, and outside he was directing traffic. And, I mean, he was just a wild and crazy guy, just killing time because he could. And, and I mean, sold me at that point. I, I, we were all just standing out there as he put on another act of a show while we were all thought we were leaving. And then next thing I know, he's filling stadiums and, and arenas. But yeah, we'd love three one two three three two three seven seven six to hear what your first concert was, where it was, and you know, your memories of that. Because you know, you, Mister Xander, are a, a huge mu- music guy. It's become uh, your livelihood. Yeah, for yeah. for many many years. And, yeah. and I, you know, mine wasn't really that impressive. And here, here's the thing: I have a lot of cousins on my father's side. And uh, older cousins. And I remember one of them saying, do you want to go see the band Chicago? I must have been 10, 9 years old, so this would be mid-70s. And as my memory goes... Were you 29 or 6 to 4? I, I was all of those. And, and so when I was... When I was about to ask my mom, I, in my memory, my mom said no. So I would have been able to see the band Chicago in the mid-70s when they were on top. At the Chicago Stadium. My, yeah. my older brother, one of the big biggest Chicago fans ever, still goes to see him. I think he just saw him a month or two ago. And, you know, he was at the old stadium when they were huge. And he's, sure. he's followed whatever iteration is left of them uh, at this point. Right. They're like three members. But I would have seen it with Terry Kath was still alive. Sure. Absolutely. And, and, I, and, and I missed that chance. But I actually saw there was a local band in the early 80s that uh, had some radio hits. They were big here, the Hounds. And they redid uh, Ruby Tuesday from the Stones. I saw them at Marist High School in 1981. And that was my first concert. But then I went on to see a crazy amount, so many that I can't even possibly remember all them. But one sticks out that I missed. And this is uh, you know, another subject. What did you have a chance to go see and you missed? A friend of mine said he was at my front door knocking at the door trying to give me a ticket to see Van Halen, my favorite band in 1981, which was Bullseye. And I wasn't home. <laughs> it still bothers me today, 41 years later. And you didn't have cell phones back then. He no. could just call you and track you down. No, text you like, hey. no, it's like, ring the bell. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Find me. And but check he, your location. What? Check your location. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Check your location something. But yeah, the, uh, that was way ahead of technology. And Hey, Jake, what was your first concert and where? So we're going to go... 2013. 2013. Okay, all the way back to 2013. <laughs> I was a late, late bloomer. 2013. I think my my mom took me to go see Justin Timberlake uh, okay. at American JT. Airlines Center. Yep, JT. Oh, an entertainer. Yeah. Uh huh. Did you yeah. have good seats? Oh, great seats. Yeah. yeah. 
and uh, yeah, like you said, Hanley, he puts on a show, right? Oh man, yeah, dancing heavily throughout the full two, three Were hours. Any and, nip slip in that one? Ooh. I don't think so, yeah. Okay. No, there was no wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> no, not on that one. Jim is in Aurora. Hey, Jim, first concert. Where was it? Who did yes, you see? guys. So, okay, we're going way back. It was 1974. The International Amphitheater, 35th and Halstead. The I night before there. my ACT test. Oh, boy. The Osborne Black Sabbath. Oh, oh boy. The, 74 uh, Black the, uh, Sabbath. Wow. The warm-up band was an English band called Slade. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Slade and Flame. Yeah. Mama, we're all crazy now. Yes, How'd Slade. you do on the ACT test? Just curious. I, I, could, I had to retake it. <laughs> and that's a good reason. That's a very solid good reason, Jim. <laughs> I didn't go to college because of Black Sabbath. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I had to retake it to, to, to qualify. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. We appreciate that. Yeah, uh, well, uh, again, that's a solid reason in my book. If my son came up and said, hey, you know, I have to retake the ACT because, you know, that Judas Priest concert I went to, I... I, 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 Okay, that's all right. Retake it. Somewhere somewhere out there today or this week, uh, you know, they're going to go see Lamb of God and they're going to screw up their ACT test. (laughs) Yeah, Lamb of God. Yes. Being Catholic, I don't know I can go. No, 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 you can. I'm not sure that's allowed. 312-332-3777. Six, you went to see ELP. Did you? Did somebody bring you to that show? Were you no, wanting to go? No, did, did I was? I, no, I wore that out, that album out. I, I, so, what's I your was, favorite ELP song then? Oh boy! I mean, welcome back to my friends to the show. That oh, never Carnival ends. Number Nine. Yeah, yeah. They opened the show with that, and they came through they? the the stage floor. I mean, that was high tech back then, right? Yeah, they came yeah. out. Oh, oh but, the I mean, organ came up. Keith Emerson's yeah. organ, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, easy and um, <laughs> yeah. How big um, was it, Brian? I don't. I, I didn't have great seats like Jake. Um, but yeah, say La Vie. I mean, it was so far back. But I wore that album out. I I, 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 I wanted to go. I dragged some friends. Matter of fact, one of my friends didn't see much of the show because his head was between his knees because he had had too many beverages, even though we were sixteen. Ah, uh, yeah, rookie. Three one two three three two. I called you a youngster because your first one was in eighty one. Eighty one, so. right? I have five years removed from you. Yeah, yeah. And and, and uh, again, I should have caught that concert. In, in the uh, 70s, Chicago, Terry Kath, who, by the way, was a guitarist that Jimi Hendrix heralded as the best guitarist he had ever seen. Wow. Never yeah. knew that. Yeah, yeah. because Chicago wow. opened up for Hendrix, wow. and Jimmy was blown away by Terry. And if you listen to some early, the CTA album, the very first yeah, album, sure. Terry, Kath was, yeah, yeah. Terry Kath was unbelievable. Jimi Hendrix was also very impressed by a guy named Billy Gibbons, who eventually had a very long beard and fronts the band ZZ Top as well. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Bill in Naperville jumping in, wants to talk about his first concert. Hey, Bill. Hi, how are you? Good. What, what, where was it and who'd you see? It was at the Airy Crown Theater in the original McCormick Place, yeah. the, the Rolling Stones, 1966. What? Oh, my word. You saw the Stones oh. at Airy Crown? Oh. Yes. Wow. It was the first time they came to Chicago. Wow. Wow. That's like seeing Springsteen Holy at the Uptown. Cow. Do you have good memory? I mean, are you able to remember enough to be able to celebrate that you went at this point? Um, it was probably in July or August because I remember I was had a, a summer job downtown. And back in those days, you had to go to Marshall Fields to that ticket, ticket something or yeah. other to buy oh, the tickets. Carson, and, Carson Prairie Scott, too. Yeah, yeah. I I ran over there on my lunch hour one day and got four tickets, and uh, it was uh, it was either in July or August. They were probably five bucks each, if that. Oh, you had a well, standard line. They might, line. They might have was been. It, they might have been about fifteen. Oh. Was it Ticketron? <laughs> you had to stand in line in front of yeah. record stores and yeah. stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. That, that's what. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was Carson Perry Scott, if I remember. It could, you know, no, it could yeah. have been. Thank and you. the Airy Crown, the Airy Thanks, Crown is still there. No one uses it. No, the no, they don't. There. No, they don't. I saw. I I have seen one or two shows, but I have two. I couldn't. I tell you think what the last were. time I was at the Airy Crown, it was it was in the eighties for sure. They they yeah. don't use it anymore, which is kind of strange. Al in Portage Park. Everybody wants to jump in on this one. Hey, Al, first concert. Where hey, was it? Who'd you see? Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, so, Sanders, you might be able to help me on this. So my first concert was. My mother took my sister and I to Chicago Fest to see 
Chicago and Orleans opened for him. And I don't remember if it was like 80 or 81, something like that. I would imagine, I would, without looking back, I'm going to take a solid guess because, uh, Orleans had uh, a big hit in 77, 78. So around Dance there, with probably. me, right? Yeah, Dance, Dance with me. me and then also Still the One. Yep. Yep. Dance with me was 76. Still the One was like 77, 78. So we're talking late uh, late 70s, Chicago Fest and Navy Pier, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. That's probably Can I, So my, my Chicago Fest story on Navy Pier, it was probably either when I was in school at Marquette or just out, but it was the summer because of Chicago Fest and Navy Pier. Thanks, so. Charlie Daniels Band, uh, because I really liked what was then, you know, uh, Southern Rock. Yes, even though, yes. Okay. Marshall Tucker Band loved them, loved Charlie Daniels. Um, and that same night, walked down the pier to see Frank Sinatra do a, do a show. I at think the ballroom at the end? Or I don't no, know if was, the ballroom no, he, was even fixed up. No, no, he was out, he was outdoors. It gets worse. So I think they paid him two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which was huge money. That yes, and it he, was. He, he sang for like an hour, right? And everyone's on their feet, you know, demanding an encore, uh, cheering and applauding. And I swear to God, we saw the private plane leave Miggs Field. He was on his way back to Vegas, like ten minutes after the show. He wasn't coming out. He was. He no, was he got his, his money. He was counting his money on I his will do, jet. I will do no such encore. Yeah, let's that's get out it. of here, baby. I mean, the fact that I saw Charlie Daniels, and then like an hour later, I saw Old Blue Eyes. Now that is a concert bill, right? That's insane. We, yeah. uh, the it, phones are absolutely loaded. Let's take another one here. Uh, Bert in Aurora, first concert. What'd you see, and where at, Bert? Hey, hey Bert. Yeah. Hey, Bert. You're you're on yeah. you're on the air. All right. Yeah, my first concert was August. 5th, 1977 at Old Comiskey Park. Was it that, was, was at that, um, was at that uh, uh, World Jam Series 2. of Rock or something? Chicago Jam 2, I think it was. Yeah, oh, Chicago Jam, yeah. And uh, it was Aerosmith was headlining, and Foreigner was uh, second, and ACDC wasn't even known of then. No, they, they weren't. They, they blew everybody away. Yeah, of course they did. Of course they did. Bon Scott then, led uh, ACDC at the point. Frank Marino, Mahogany Rush. Mm-hmm. Canadian and, guy? Uh, Walter, Walter Egan, he was the one hit wonder. Yeah, yeah, Magnet and Steel. Yeah, you are the magnet, I have the steel. Uh, that's but, a yeah, fa- I, yeah. I used to sleep out for tickets at Sears. Yeah, Sears was another place, right? Carson Peary Scott, yeah, Sears, used, you had Ticketmaster and Ticketron. Yeah. We used to sleep out overnight at Fox Valley Mall. Yeah, yeah. Remember, uh, it's, well, and, uh, like that was that was safe. You do that t- and, today, Brian? Yeah. Well, no, and, then, and, and the, uh, the international, like I, you guys went to the International Amphitheater. That was a right. big place back then. I saw a UFO there. Oh Rush. yeah. Did you see? Uh, did you see the concert that was partly taped for the uh, Strangers in the Night live album? You might have. No, I don't know. Because that was, that was at the amphitheater. It was uh, that okay. show in, and shows in uh, Louisville that were used for that album. You know what but used I saw, to... Fr- uh, I saw Triumph. They rocked out. Yeah. They were yeah. Really good. Thank you, they Bert. We appreciate that. You, yeah. you know what really frosted me when you're standing in line outside the record store waiting for tickets or Carson, Perry, Scott, or Sears? You know, Ticketron, you had to be there like we were talking about. Ticket scalpers would pay people to stand in line. Yeah, the, uh, and, the right, right. And so you you were out there, like our caller just said, you know, basically got there the crack of dawn, or some people slept over, and then all of a sudden, when the window opened up or the door opened up, here comes a scalper, you know, swooping in and moving his guy out because he paid him, and he's got a you know fistful of money, and he's going to buy up all the good seats. That that really frosted me. But a guy, a White Sox guy, who went into the ticket selling business, Eric Soderholm. Yeah, he, he got me he used tickets. Used to play third base. Uh, absolutely, he got he got me tickets to uh, Springsteen without the Street Band when uh, he was at the the shed in Tinley Park. I was at that he, show too. Yeah, and I and God bless Eric. He didn't charge me over the face value, um, so because I, you know I knew him because I was at the Sun Times and all that. And I, I go sit down with my buddies and we you know whatever and we turn around and Ryan Sandberg and Mike Morgan of the Cubs who I was covering at the time were sitting right behind me. They were actually a row behind me. I had better seats than those two guys. We have uh, the phones are absolutely loaded, so we're going to keep talking about this after the break. First concert, where was it? What did you see? 
Brian, I'm going to talk about that show that you just brought up, Springsteen without the E Street Band. I decided to see him once, and I saw him without a very important part of the, the uh, yeah, you know, the situation. <laughs> Lucky me. That, that was the worst. As far as I'm concerned, that was the worst. 312 332 3776. We'll be back right after this. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Hanley and Xander, ESPN 1000, talking about first concert, and the phones are absolutely loaded. We'll get back to talking about the sports. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I just thought, uh, at, at, at my. At that point in my life, my my wife, uh, my ex, but she she's always been a big Springsteen fan. And finally, we had the chance to go. And I'm a Springsteen fan through the river. Then anything after that, I have no use for. That's, That's just the first me tour I saw him on a, up at Marquette. I love all the '70s stuff. Yeah. I I can care less about Born in the USA and all that junk. Whatever. So we oh, decide to go see him, and that's when he tells the E Street Band to stay home. And, I mean, of all the concerts to see, I mean, it was okay, but it was the E Street Band. That was the exciting part. That's what that's what I appreciated from the 70s. So I just thought it was really ironic that I, I was dragged to that concert <laughs> to see Bruce without the E Street Band. Did well, you, you like know, the it, show? I like, well, With, there's no junk involved. I liked, uh, I like all of it. And, matter of fact, I just bought tickets for Paris and um, Rome next summer, next May. So Paris, Illinois, I, he's playing. Yeah, no, um, the actual with the tower and all that. I, I always swore oh, that I was place. Gonna, I always swore I'd see him in Europe, and he hasn't toured in six years. And I almost went the last tour in Europe, but now you know. So I've obviously, Brian of, is a super fan of Bruce Springsteen. Well, yeah, I think I've seen him over a hundred times. If I told you how much money I've spent, but traveling and tickets and hotel, I mean, okay, I probably need to see somebody other other than Springsteen. But um, yeah, that. Um, yeah, that 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 Tinley Park. It takes me a lot to get down there because of the traffic and the in and out and all that. But um, yeah, I, I just remember that I had better seats than Ryan Sandberg. So. I, I was ten minutes away and I was still upset about being dragged to that show. That was just me. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Fred in Skokie. First concert you saw? Where was it? It was 2007 at Congress Theater. The band was none other than Lamb of God. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Are you going there to this one? Go. Are you going to this one? Uh, no, I'm not. I've seen him a few times. Um, but, yeah, it was a great show. I remember pulling up on Milwaukee. I was a freshman in high school, and I just remember, like, oh, my God, this is – I can hear it from outside. How loud is it going to be in there? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, great, it was a great show. Yeah, yeah I'm, I, I'm sure it was, and I'm sure your ears are still ringing. I saw Joe Jackson uh, yes, there. They are. <laughs> I saw Joe Jackson there Thanks, probably 15 years, uh, whatever it was. I think there was a hole in the roof. He actually, his dressing room was a uh, was a mobile home parked out on the street because the place was in tatters. And they had like folding tables with off-brand booze that they're selling in the lobby. It, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine how it was open. I mean, how the city allowed it to stay open. They had put a dollar in there in 25 years. But I think they fixed it all up and it's really nice now, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't, I, I'm, I'm sure that they have, they yeah. haven't been there, uh, yet he is, maybe he's a nicer guy now. I've never heard on the inside, you know, working in radio, he's, he's like a, he was the angry young man. He, he's like a Van it. Morrison. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just like an angry guy. Like, I saw uh, Van Morrison and he, had, he, he went through that concert like his, his car was double parked. <laughs> of course he did. I, I mean, he I've did never the heard anything. Hits. Look, Van Morrison is a great singer songwriter, but I've never heard anything about him uh, personally that, that has supported that he's a nice guy. Now, I just saw Joe much. Jackson at the Park West uh, a couple weeks ago. And he is completely mellowed and was almost like a jet. I mean, his, the, the band was outstanding. And. He, you know, he did reinterpreted a bunch of his songs, which some people don't like. Kind of a jazzy I, thing. Yeah, it yeah was, no, I love that. I love when they when yeah. they do that. Eh, look, there is a time to play it like the radio plays it, but then sure. after a while, take your liberties. It's your song. And you know what? And he was bantering with the audience, and he was laughing. And so he and sounds jokes. like he's a better guy now. Well, he's mellowed. He's older yeah. now. Yeah. And and Van Morrison, though, I still hear that people go. You know, I have nephews who love. Van Morrison to this day, and they're young, right? They're they're in high school and stuff, and I'm like, and they want to go see him. I'm like, I'm telling their parents, you know, brother and sister in law, whatever. 
be careful because you're going to spend a lot of money and he you better catch him on a good night, which might be one out of ten. Be careful right? what you wish for, yeah. Yeah. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We got a bunch of them. Let's get through these quick so we can get everybody in. Ray and Gary, first concert. Where at? Who'd you see? Ray. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Ray, you're on. Yeah. First concert. Yeah. Where'd you see? Who'd you first see? First concert yeah. was seventy-two Airy Crown Theater. Saw the Guess Who. I was in eighth grade, and a friend of mine had tickets, and his dad took us. And that was the beginning of me not missing a concert. My last one is in '93. My best friend drove Frank Beard's Dooley to Rockford from Austin, Texas, with their Harleys. Oh yeah! And I had backstage passes. I got pictures of me with the guys on That's their awesome. bikes. And they were on their way to Sturgis. That's cool. Thanks, Ray. Mr. Beard, the only one that doesn't have a beard in ZZ Top, by That's the way. That's irony, right? Yeah. Dan, <laughs> Dan in Skokie, who'd you see and where at? It was 74-75 Grand Rapids, Michigan, the original Genesis, Peter Gabriel, Phil wow. Collins. Steve Hackett. Oh, with Peter Gabriel. That's, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Tony Banks. Wow. I was underage. We were visiting a family in Michigan. They took me to a concert. Changed my life forever. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, buddy. Uh, yeah, that, let's let's just keep going. Tom on the north side, who'd you see and where at? Tom. This is Tom, yeah. Yeah, Hi. who'd you see and where um, at, buddy? Um, whenever they played together... 73 or 74 something like that uh-huh. i went to the i went to the bank and took out like over a hundred dollars in savings went downtown we had a ticket tron or whatever it was called and i got 10 tickets for friends and that from high school we went up and saw chicago and the beach boys and i still remember it to this day it was like uh-huh. so i'm like it doesn't get better than this to see two, good good for you bands. Yeah, you know, and to see a band was, so long ago and to still have great memories and very vivid memories. that And they were 10 bucks a piece, that yeah. sounded like, yeah. And yeah. I still have the brochure from that show, and I still have, and if I dig through some boxes, I probably still have tickets from that show. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Great. I tried, yeah, thank I, you. Thank you, Tom. I've tried to save all the, uh, all the stubs that I can, but there's so many shows that I never got them. And now you buy on your phone or yeah. you print to something out. There's no more, like... Old school no, tickets. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a shame. Kevin in Northwest Indiana. Who'd you see and where at, buddy? Kevin, you're on ESPN uh, 1000. Hey, hi, guys. Uh, it was uh, at the Kinetic Playground. I hitched in a oh, college wow. from, uh, I, I uh, hit, hitched to Chicago from Northwest Indiana, got to Clark, stood in line, and saw The Who, and uh, second act was The Kinks. And the opening act was, I think, and God, my memory might be bad, but of course, I'm 74. But uh, it may have been the flock, but the I know flock, it was the same yeah. band yeah. that played my high school graduation. And and where, and what year was this? Did you say about seventy? Probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, Kinetic um, playground. What a what a place! I wish I would have experienced that place that, myself. That there was there was nothing like it. I mean, yeah. absolutely. And I saw several shows there. All of them were A plus. And when the group uh, opening act left the stage, I recognized them from my high school reunion, my high school graduation. But of course, they looked different. They weren't in suits anymore. <laughs> right. Long hair. That, yeah, and I that changed. At the band yeah. as they left the stage. I said, "You guys played my high school graduation, and you sure look different." Yeah, just and like the, the Beatles went through the uh, transformation. Thank you. Right, and the drummer turned to my direction. He couldn't see me because I was in the crowd. It was dark, and he goes, and he spotted me because I'm grinning. And I think my teeth shone, and uh, he goes, "So do you." <laughs> and they left the stage. Thank you, Kevin. And, uh, Appreciate it. Uh, Oh, sorry. We've got so many get through here. I saw Ray Davies at the Apollo Theater. uh, I think that's Clark, right? It's it's no longer there. But he had broken up. You know, the kinks have broken up. But he did a show where he just told you stories about all the songs and then he played the songs. And you see a bunch of artists. Yeah, that's that's kind of uh, the way they build those is a night with. But but that was like thirty years ago. Yeah. He was like the first, and he was doing it in a theater that did plays for the most part. It was like the first time I saw a one man show. Kind of like Springsteen on Broadway, except it was right. Davies on Clark. And, and that's a different, very cool experience. We'll yeah. do a couple more before we uh, take a break and get back to sports here. Mike in Palatine, who'd you see and uh, where at, buddy? You're on ESPN 1000. Yeah, I saw Led Zeppelin at the Kinetic Playground. That's what I was waiting for, somebody to say Led <laughs> Zeppelin at the Kinetic. Awesome. What year? <laughs> 1969. It yeah. cost three bucks. 
Throw oh. away. Do you, uh, do you have that ticket, Stub? No, I don't. And yeah. you play, they played from midnight until four in the morning. Oh, yeah, I heard about that show. Yeah, I heard yeah, about that show. Great. Well, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, if we were awarding a winner, you would be the That's winner it. today. <laughs> That's it, Mike. Thank you for the phone call. You know, Thanks, we're going to, yeah, we're going to end on that point. I don't think you can do any better than that. Led Zeppelin at the Kinetic Playground. Wow. All right, 312-332-3776. Getting back to sports. We'll talk White Sox, Cubs. We'll eventually get to um, some uh, audio from Coach Eberflus on Justin Fields. As as we're still just hoping for the best, that they've made some good moves, and we're going to see some progress this year, Brian. Yeah, uh, you know, early OTAs, you can't tell much, but we know that Tevin Jenkins is uh, now a backup and a, and a backup right tackle. So and, we'll and, that speaks, and that speaks volumes. 312-332-3776. Back at it after this with Xander and Hanley on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Xander and Hanley here on ESPN 1000 up until 1230. Tanaraki Rocky with pregame show. Leading into White Sox baseball. Connor McKnight on the play-by-play with DJ today. First pitch against the Rangers at 110 yesterday. On the south side, it certainly was interesting. Four four fire Tonys on the TV broadcast where Jason and Steve just stepped out and let the, the audio sound. breathe. Yeah, let natural sound. We'll just <laughs> enjoy the field. The nat- natural ambiance of Guaranteed Rate Field yesterday. We've got uh, Kopeck on the mound today. And big, big start for Michael Kopech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, right last now start is, was good. Last start was good. You know, the, the December 6, 2016 trade of Chris Sale to Boston, and you got Kopech and Mankata, and at the time, Mankata was the guy everyone was supposed to be excited about, and here we are six years later, and Michael Kopech's the guy. Johan Mankata. Certainly at the moment he is. Well, I mean... I, and, and, yeah. Right, right. It's probably going to stay that way, but, yeah. you, you know, it, as you said, it didn't start out that way. We well, waited a long time on Michael. For I saw this. Various some, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, but you, you got to be excited about what yep. you've seen this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Mankata to this point last since May 14th, no home runs, batting 133. If you like old school batting averages, of 302 baseball players with 90 more, 90 or more at bats so far, there's 302 of them, right? That qualify. So batting average, OBP, and slugging, he's 302nd in all three categories. 17 million dollars a year. That puts it in perspective for him. It does. And if it he's does. hurt. Then put him on the I.L. You know, and, and you've got to wonder if Tony, if he's not hurt enough and Tony's just trying to get him reps to get better on the job, or is this because T.A.'s already on and they just need the body? He's not in the lineup today. But you you just wonder when we are going to see the Yoan that we saw in 2019. Are we going to see the Yoan that we saw in 2019 and he's coming off the 0 for 5 so he's not in there today 0 for 5 three strikeouts so tony didn't lose that game last night it was it was giolito uh frittering away four runs of the five run lead by the way our friend jim lexa i i wondered what the win probability yeah, at that point yeah i'm was. glad you mentioned that 95.1 which <laughs> right. leads I, he worked at a frequency there 95.1 percent according to jim's espn uh, stats on the, the box score. And when they were up 7-4, it was 89, almost 90% yeah, chance of winning Yeah, certainly that winnable. Certainly uh, winnable. Absolutely. And that did not, that. Yes, absolutely. And, and and it didn't work out. And look, you mentioned Giolito. Uh, you know, Garcia had a part of it. Um, you know, that fielding mistake tied it up. And then, and then the bullpen. The bullpen. The thing that we were supposed to be sure of this year we're not sure of. Here's some audio on uh, the post game, including some comments on on the noise the crowd was making yesterday at Guaranteed Rate Field. Well, I hear it with one ear and I see it with one eye. You know, so I just know I appreciate that they want us to win, and when we don't win, they're unhappy. You know, fans are going to have their own opinions, uh, a lot of colorful opinions at times. Um, for us, we you know focus on. Put a little bubble around it. Focus on the game. Um, you know, we're trying to 
you know, try to keep it close there in, in extra innings and try to mount that comeback. Um, you know, just fell short. They, they had a right to voice their opinion. I mean, they're, they're coming to the game, and, um, you know, they can say whatever they want. Um, you know, I know this, this clubhouse is a family, and uh, we're going to stick together no matter what. So, um, you know, you can, can have outside opinions, but, um, you know, this, this clubhouse, uh, we're, we're tight, and, um, you know, it's a family. We have the team with what we have to win, and we're losing games. There's no man at clubhouse, including manager and coaches, are happy. So I like it when they care enough to be upset. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. I like what Tony said there to uh, end that clip, and I certainly like what Jake Berger said. Fans spend their money; they get the right to do that. And you wonder if they're going to stop showing up because that's what we do on the South Side when we don't like what's happening. Well, now, Mark, you know, you also heard Berger say, you know, we're talking about how the Phillies were having a celebration, popping champagne when Girardi was fired. I literally could hear the the cheering from the clubhouse in the media room when the announcement was being made. And Jake Berger, and he's not the only one through the tough times, that, and there have been too many of them in, uh, this season for the Sox, mm-hmm. who've said we're close, we're you know can't be closer. So at least they're saying the right thing, and he sincerely sounded like they have you know they're not listening to any of it. But you know, if it continues, do the players start feeling differently about it? And um, they're going on the road, and the fact that they're going to get some quiet, peace and quiet on the road compared to the home crowd last night tells you all you need to know about the Sox season. You know, and you wonder when the players start realizing, I, look, they're play, it's a grind. We're, we're not in their shoes, and I get it, and they have to take it game by game. They have to flush yesterday, look forward to today. But when do they step back and say, you know what, we have – the right pieces here to do better than we are. And here are our frustrations and the time is limited. The window is only open for so, so long. And, well, and they the start mirror. making some noise about things that they think may need to be adjusted like the coaching staff. Well, uh, well how about just looking in the mirror and saying, you know, I'm Juan Mancata. And I was disappointed when he's bringing up the injury so that tells me he shouldn't be playing because he's talking about how he have to. He, oh, you're right there. To, you're right there. He should he not be to, saying that. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. He wants to get the rhythm back. If you're out, if you're out there playing, I don't want to hear about your limitations. All right. Either you go to them and tell them I'm not ready to play because uh, the oblique is still bothering me. Right. Or fight through it and and, and do something and perform. And earn your yeah. 17 million because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rondell's starting to turn the corner. Okay, we need to see a lot more than a couple games, but thank God we saw a couple games, and yep. now he might be going to the IL and. We thought maybe the, the call-up today was because Grandel's going on the IL. We need a moment of silence for Yerman Mercedes. Yeah, he was DFA'd. He uh-huh. wasn't your Twitter poll either. He was on the 40-man roster. No, he wasn't, right. Here, here's what uh, the moves are today. Aaron Bummer placed on the IL with a left lat strain. Second time he's been on the a- 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 IL this year. That, and that this, explains why we and didn't that's, see him. That's why we didn't see him yesterday. Yeah. Davis Martin optioned. So he goes back down, which, you know, look, I like what we saw from the kid. Sure. I think he's going to be an Absolutely. option to stay up here for a while in the future. Tanner Banks and Sebi Zavala called up to make room for Zavala on the 40-man. Your mean Mercedes was de- designated for assignment. Yasmani Grandal not placed on the I.L. So far. So far. Um, so far. How about so Mercedes was what twenty eight when he came up and and lit the place on fire for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and then Tony you know fun story showboating yeah yeah fun story and now I, I mean and and part of that whole storyline was that he was a grinder and every time he thought he was going to quit the minor leagues his family told him to stick with it and yeah. he did and he had his moment in the sun the big spotlight the big stage I wonder if. He's out of baseball now. I mean, is anyone going to take a flyer on a guy who's 30 or whatever he is now? And, and you know, hasn't been a contributor since that the that little right. flash we saw? Right. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I certainly wish for him, somebody who seems like he is willing to grind it out that somebody else picks him up and he has a chance to do something, to play as long as he wants to play, not to have it to sign for him. Yeah, yeah, right. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. The Twitter poll is up there, talking about being DFA'd, and we're we're talking about uh, you know the major league roster here. When Tim Anderson comes back, we are going to have to make a decision, right? You've got Jake Berger, you've got Johan Mankata, you've got Tim, you've got Josh Harrison, you've got Leori Garcia. If DFA was an option, would you DFA 
uh, Josh Harrison, Laori Garcia, or leave them both alone? That's the Twitter poll at ESPN 1000. I made I a case. Both, I wanted to launch both of them, but that's just. Yeah, me. but if you had to pick one, I made a case for Laori, and you made a case for Josh Harrison. I mean, it's splitting hairs at this point, but when TA comes back. And you, you really, I mean, yes. And I realize that there is a case for both of them, but for argument's sake. Right. Now, when T.A. comes back and, and say Yuan is hopefully starting to hit and, and we still have to find a place for Berger because of his bat being so hot. He's got the most home runs on the team. I say Mendick has shown us enough to want to put him at second base daily. I want to see as much of him right now as I yep, can. Absolutely. And, and, and I wish I believed that Mankata is going to turn this around. Look, his on base last year was 375, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's just the numbers are, are bleaker than bleak. And if it's the old bleak, then do something about it. And nice. It's not, you know, nice. You worked on it now, all they, day in rehearsal. I, I did. I was up all night at the <laughs> Kinetic Playground uh, watching a show, <laughs> yeah, thinking about some lines. You there. wish. You wish. Yeah. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We'll take a break here. Come back. Talk about uh, baseball. We'll touch upon. We've got some more audio from the Cubs that we can get to, and uh, we eventually get around to talking about the Bears because you know there's a few things to talk about this week at OTAs. It's ESPN one thousand. Xander and Hanley. We'll be right back. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN one thousand. You can watch us on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash ESPN1000Chicago. Brian Hanley, you still haven't watched the Get Back series. By At this time, you should just save it for winter. I, I will because I like to spend a lot of time outside when it's, well, it's going to be 95. I'm not going to complain about that because our spring was so terrible. Yes. Um, yes. But, yeah, I, I don't. You're, you're, as far as I'm concerned, I save that stuff. Even though I watched the first Peaky Blinders of the last second half of the last season last night. I don't even know what that is, but okay. you don't know what Peaky Blinders is. It sounds like you're you're staring at your neighbors and you shouldn't. No, be, no, no, no. You need no. now. That's another one to put on your list. No <laughs> okay. need to ask questions. Just put okay. it on your list. All right. Yeah, but um, yeah. This uh, the summertime is you know watch the Cubs and Sox yep. suck and yep. then um, go out and try to enjoy a nice sunset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And beer. Beer. Yeah. Yeah. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Dean wants to jump in talk about the Sox. Hey Dean. Hey, hey guys. Thanks for taking me a call. Yeah. Um, I I can't watch the games anymore. I'm a huge <laughs> Sox fan, and I, I mean, I, the one that threw me off the most was last Sunday's game against Tampa Bay. I, I don't know if you recall it, and the Sox won. Okay, so uh-huh. I'm happy about that. Yeah. But yeah, as Mike Grandel is playing first base, you know, Tony's getting creative. He's putting him out there, getting him out from behind the plate. He has a critical error yes. in this, about the fifth or sixth inning, and it was just a, a simple throwing. You know, yep. it came over from either short or second, and he just handcuffed him. And Tampa Bay picked up, I think, about maybe two honored runs in that inning. Six-five ball game, and you know the cameras panning the the field, and I see Grandal at first base in the ninth inning in a six-five game. And I, what is going oh, on? Hold on, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and Sheets is on the bench. You know, I, I, had to, I had to look it up to see if, if Sheets had been sent down, but he's on the bench. And now he's been sent and down. Yeah. yeah. Now he's been sent down. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, if we had lost that game, if Grandel had made another error in the ninth inning, a catcher playing first base, when you got a defensive replacement with a 6 5 game, he would have been fired on the spot. <laughs> Well, should have been, but wouldn't be. Yeah, right. And and, and ball players. I mean, we're, we're not stupid. I mean, I, I, when I say we, it was a long time ago. But ball players look at that stuff and say, "Wait a second, that's just not a good move." You know, they, they start second guessing. And I'm not saying that's going on with the White Sox, but you know, there's some. But you've got to wonder. That's a good point to bring up. You've got to wonder if other people on the bench are noticing, like, what is going on? And that's a, yeah. and that's one of those things that Tony. It could have made a mistake, but he didn't because we won. But there have been many other things that he hasn't done that has resulted in a loss, maybe directly. Okay, okay so when yeah. you have a bench yeah. coach or coaches, um, does Tony not want to hear from them? Do they are they well, afraid to? 
Are they afraid to tell Tony, hey, maybe we can make a move here because, you know, it's a one-run game in the ninth inning? And, hey, or that, is it Tony? What, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt, but that, that's what Duncan's for. That's why yeah. he brought Duncan in. That's why he brought Miguel Cairo in. And I think yeah. that they're honestly afraid to say something to him like, hey, you know, he made an error earlier in the game. Sheets is right here. And it's just all of a sudden you get into this, this mindset, like, you know, let's just let it play it out. And, you know, I even called you guys up, and I, I talked to, I forget who the who the announcer was. And he said, you know, Dean, well, Tony believes in, you know, letting people have a second chance. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. Well, he's got you know, a second believe- chance, so he'd be kind of a hypocrite if he didn't allow for second chances, right? Yeah, yeah. And the, I mean, the other point, I mean, that was glaring. But the other point is the bullpen. I mean, I, I was pushing, believe it or not, when the Sox were looking for a manager, I was I was pushing for Ned Yost, the old Kansas City manager, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the old Brewers manager, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. Feisty guy, right? He's a catcher, and he, and he knows the game really well. But the thing that he did in Kansas City, he had his bullpen and bullpen assignments. This isn't rocket scientry. Sixth inning is Foster. Seventh inning is Bummer. Eighth inning is Graveman. Ninth inning is Hendricks. And you tell your starters, look, guys, I just just get me through the fifth. And in LaRusse's defense, now I would say get me to the sixth. Yeah, well, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah but, but your yeah. starters Minimum. should be able to get you through the fifth. They should be. I mean, yeah. we have, we've got a good starting staff. Right, right. And in LaRusse's defense, I mean, he hasn't had the lead, and that you know that's another issue. I'm I'm so upset with Han because Han did nothing in the off season to balance this lineup. I, I looked at it and said. He did nothing to get a left-handed hitter in that right. lineup. Absolutely. It's and a glaring error. Yep. Yep. Austin Meadows was available. Schwarber was available. I'll yep. take his 16 home runs and hit 200. I'll take that. But, you know, the, the last thing, and, and the way I look at it, the only way they're going to salvage this season, LaRusse has got to go, replace him with Perzinski. I mean, that's the buzz. But here's the trade. <laughs> you guys are going to say I'm absolutely crazy with this. Could you imagine trading Mancada and Jimenez to Kansas City for Benatendi and Merrifield? And Kansas City might make that move because they can't sign either one of them. And well, why would they put, yeah, you would have to pay uh, 80% of Mancada's salary if not more. Yeah, yeah he's and, due for $15 million next year. He's not, and no, he's, make, right no he's making $17 million, He goes up to twenty next year, and then it's like twenty four. It's ridiculous. And, and those, guys, those guys are a little older. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think we could actually do better with him in the trade. Well, and I don't uh, think Kansas City would be interested in either one of them right now. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, Thanks, I agree Dean. with you guys. Yeah, thank you, Dean. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate right, it. Thanks. Great, great thoughts. Great call from Dean. Uh, hey, look. Um, Are you done with Reese McGuire? I don't think I need to see any more of Reese McGuire. Mm, not, he's, not, he's not bothering me so much. What, okay, what's, I mean, what's bothering is, you? His defense and offense. Well, he did come here being a defensive, uh, allegedly, an upgrade, frame, defensive upgrade. He can pitches, yeah, but, I mean, he can't catch the ball. He's had his issues. He's had his yeah. issues, and he, but he actually, didn't he have a double yesterday? I believe he had a double. So, yeah, he's, he, look, in a, with a team full of issues, that one rates oh, low on my list. He oh, can fly under the radar right now. Yeah, like, that's he the can. Thing. He can. Yeah. Yeah, I and just, he is. Talk, he is we're because there's so many catcher, other things. We're playing, talking about a catcher playing first base in Osmani. It's just like their catching situation uh, less than uh, what you would call stellar. Yeah, yeah, upgrades in catching, and uh, you know that left-handed stud bat because we cannot that you cannot count on Leori from the left-hand side uh, being an everyday player, no matter what side he's batting on. And Mokata has just been an empty promise so far. Yeah. 312-332-3776. We'll take a break, come back in a couple minutes, and uh, we'll touch upon some bears before we get out of here. 1230. Also, also yeah. I want to hear Anthony Rissell. He had thoughts about his former team. Yes, about- we'll hear that, too. We've got some audio we've yet to get to. We've had a busy, busy show. We'll do all that by the time we get out of here at 1230, where Tyler Aki picks it up with the pregame show at 1230, and then we get into uh, Sox Rangers here on ESPN 1000, first pitch at 110. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. 
Bradley and Xander, ESPN 1000 up until 1230. Got some Cubs audio to play for you here. Brian, what, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear Rizzo on comparing the Yankees to the 2016 Cubs or being yeah, well, yeah, top market? Rizzo, Rizzo was part of the uh, the Bronx Bombers' uh, six solo home runs. He got in the act yesterday. D- DJ LeMayu, um, arguably Theo Epstein's worst trade as a Hawks GM. <laughs> yeah. Hawks GM as a, as a Cubs president. He threw him in for the Ian Stewart trade, and Ian Stewart was a pain in the rear end. He, you know, got hurt, didn't want to be around the team, just wanted to collect his money. And Lemayhu has turned out to be an elite ball player. But um, you know, of course, when when Chicago media arrived on Friday, they had a little sit down in the dugout with uh, Anthony, and Anthony's singing the praises of the Yankees and the expectations to to compete and win a World Series every year, and they're the best team in baseball. And then there's Tom Ricketts, Chicago Cubs. It's a lot of fun. This team. I mean, we're we're really we're a really good complete team, and you try to you go off your past experiences. I, I try not to compare things but I mean yesterday is a prime example of just a championship team of our ace gives up a bunch of runs uh, and in the dugout we're just all right here we go not even like a let's go get them it's just we all just give each other the look and there was a game in Arizona in 16 that Lackey was pitching early in the season very similar he gave up a bunch of runs and we all just looked at each other and said here we go and it's just that confidence that we've built now that we know uh, you know it's, it's, it's we can do something special a lot of things have to go your way but we have that team and that is Anthony Rizzo a very svelte Anthony Rizzo these days yeah and you wonder if the getting even in better shape comes with looking around the clubhouse and being a leader in that clubhouse and you know referencing John Lackey gets in a situation and that team knew it was good enough the Cubs team that would win a World Series just no rah-rah just look at each other all right let's go we got a little hole here that we've, we've dug let's let's get out of it and when you watch the Cubs and Matt Swarmer last night against the best team in baseball with their 94 home runs and they can just you know hammer people whenever they feel like it um it just as a Cubs fan you just that tells you how far away the Cubs are from stars and stars who are going to get you to the promised land. And it's going to be a long haul for Jed Hoyer to, to put this thing together to, you know, as other teams like the Yankees and Dodgers continue to strive for excellence, they're not going away, right? So right. there's a lot of teams on that list, too. Yeah, so. let's hear uh, uh, Anthony Rizzo also had uh, something to say about uh, the Cubs at this point. It's better for the game, I think, when when the big teams are are playing at a at a premium. It's just better for baseball. It's better for the overall experience when when you turn on a game and it's you know Yankees Red Sox and we're battling for first place in June, but it seems like it's October. That's good for baseball, um, and all the big markets. Have plenty of money to spend, and um, so yeah. I mean, a team like the Cubs should be competing every single year at a very high payroll. But there will be years like this where you know, last year we had a high payroll there, sold. This year they they sign some guys and, and, and have a good team. It's not like they're just, just going to go and roll over anyone by any means. So um, it's just a, a different year than than the normal standard that we created there for the last seven, seven years. Yeah, it's a little different here on the north side than uh, what it was years ago. And Anthony failed to mention that he didn't take the big contract when it was presented to him, allegedly. Right. And he, he left money on the table, five years, $75 million the Cubs offered. And Jed did too. And I believed him at the time. He said he can sleep well at night knowing that he gave them market or maybe better than market offers. I mean, Anthony just signed a two-year extension for $32 million with the Yankees, so that's, you know, that's about the same uh, annual salary, but a few years short of what the Cubs are offering. And the fact that he just said there, there'll be years like this, there doesn't have to be years. That, that is a decision. That is a choice that ownership has made to sell off and go from a top-five payroll to a middle-of-the-pack payroll. And yet, Mark, they draw thirty to 32000 a game, and they're – hundreds of millions of dollars under what they were spending so 
the profit. Uh, well, the, yeah, the business plan is working out well, isn't yeah, it? Looks, looks just. Fine, it doesn't need you. to include winning. It doesn't have to be forty-one thousand the ballpark if you spend a hundred plus million less on your on your talent, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you bank that, and then most teams would kill for thirty thousand people every single day, right? It's in, like in the eighties all over again yeah. on the north side. Yeah, where people are showing up, and uh, you know, will will they speak with their wallets when when they're disappointed at what happened this year? I, look, it's a fine sunny day. I yep. know they're in New York, but if they were here today, the place would be packed because it's something to do on a nice summer day. We only have so many nice days here in Chicago land to work with. And, you know, and the two guys they did sign, by the way, uh, Marcus Stroman's on the IL. And uh, this one's a little uh, Seiya Suzuki's finger. He was supposedly going to be back like in the next few days. And now yesterday they were talking about it's not nearly healed like they hoped it'd be. And so Jed Hoyer's on the trip was going to sit down with Suzuki and the doctors. And they said at this point, surgery doesn't seem to be an option or necessary. But the fact that they even mentioned that tells you that this is his left ring finger is mangled from, you know, sliding into second awkwardly. And so your $85 million signing and, and was great for the first, he was, you know, player of the month. It was fun while it lasted. Right, rookie of the month. No, he'll be, yeah, well, he's going right, to be fine. Right. But, but, you know, but they that, did. let's not forget, before the injury, it, it, it fell off the table because oh, the league had figured him big out. Time. Right. right, exactly right. And, you know, and, and last night you got 2019 Matt Swarmer, who gave up 36 home runs and 27 Iowa starts. Um and, and, you know, looks so good the first two starts, but he, he's got to, you know, he's got to react. And, and obviously the Yankees had scouted him well and looked at the video and they're waiting for that slider. And they were sending it to, at 120 miles an hour outside the uh, outside the ground. So. Yeah, we've got some post-game audio featuring uh, Coach David Ross and Swarmer here. Kind of execute my pitches well. Um, just getting behind hitters sometimes and not. Uh, yeah, leaving the ball up in the zone. I just, I just got to do a better job executing, and hopefully, uh, better things happen next start. Definitely seen him better. Yeah, yeah. Solo shots, you know. I guess that's better than walks. This guy's got some powerful swings, and um, you know, some big, strong guys. They they have the potential to put up some some uh, some numbers with one swing of the bat, and they they did that today. Yeah, it's definitely there. Yeah, have a lot of power hitters for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm just gonna try to limit damage next time when things things start in the fan, and uh, I'll just uh, yeah, just try to make them feel more uncomfortable up there instead of like more like they just seem like they saw the ball well, and yeah, I just gotta do a lot better moving forward. Wait, music after a shutout? How dare they? Well, you know, and, and Jesse Jesse Rogers said. Uh, you you felt bad for the kid. He stood up and yeah. answered the questions, and, and you know. He, but he, Jesse said, "He's just like God. This guy wanted to be anywhere but there. He wanted he to be probably anywhere just but wanted to puke, you know? Yeah, he didn't he want to be anywhere on, but on the mound, and he had to give him five innings, even with the home runs, because they they their bullpen had been beaten up. And, and look, the Yankees have twenty one home runs in the last eight games. Uh, I mean, ninety four on the year. Aaron Judge." Has 24. He's a monster. He's an absolute monster. Where is he going to end up? Well, how about this? He's in good company. So he has 24 through 59 games. Mm-hmm. Mickey Mantle. Babe Ruth had 26 in 1928 through 59 games. Mickey Mantle had 25 in 1956. Wow. I mean, you're, you're talking about two names. That, when you start talking baseball, those are two of the first three names. You're you don't have about. to know much about baseball to know who those two are. Exactly right. Right. I mean, so, I mean, it happens, but... Um, yeah, boy, yeah, there there are miles to go before we sleep as Cub fans because it's that if that's the standard, Lord help us all. Yeah, and Stanton is a monster too. It's yeah. just unfair those guys bat next to each other in the lineup in the Bronx <laughs> it's for just... everybody playing them. Oh. That shot yesterday is unbelievable. All right, so three one two three three two three seven seven six. Getting out of here at twelve thirty. Do we want to hit on this bear stuff, Jake? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why don't we? Uh, we've got some audio here. Let's hit this before the break. A um, couple things that Coach Eberflus had to say uh, regarding Justin Fields, our most favorite subject with the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I would just say that 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 Luke and Andrew are doing a great job with the footwork and the timing. Um, that's that to me. It jumps out 
Like you just ask that question, I just boom right there. That's no question. You see it in the drill work. What you had seen on the film. Yes, absolutely. You can see it in the drill work. You can see the them taking it from the drill work to the to the you know eleven on eleven reps, and that's clearly getting better. Um, so I'm excited about that. Now that that's exciting, right? That sounds that sounds good from Coach Eberflus, right? Very very rosy picture for Justin Fields, Brian. Yeah, because he's coach positive, and and you know, why wouldn't? Yeah, he be? but it sounds a little different than Aggie, doesn't it? Oh boy, I mean, first of all, you, you don't get lost in the vocabulary. In Miles the of difference. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, look, I, I'm I'm hoping that they finally got it right. You know, Bill Polian led them in the right direction, and they've got the GM in place, and hopefully the in Eberflus, the head coach. And I'm hoping against hope, more importantly, that Justin Fields is a lot better than we saw under the old regime and gets better opportunity and more more structure and better play calling and better better everything, right? right. Better preparation. Actually, let him take snaps in training camp instead of, oh, well, I guess we'll start him. Uh, and, and we didn't do a thing in training camp. Good, good luck, Justin. Go on out there. But everyone's seeing former players, current players. You just heard it from the coach. Everyone loves his work ethic. Everyone likes all the all the stuff that goes along with being a leader on a team. But we still don't know how good he's going to be because yep. he hasn't had the best opportunity to prove it to this point. But wait, there's more. I can really probably compare this to Dak the most because he was young like this when I was there um, as a rookie and then a second-year player. Um, and he, we saw him just grow before our eyes. And he's a, he's a talent. You know, he's a, he's a guy that can, you know, throw on time, but also make you know extended plays, and throw down the field, and and that's where I see you know where Justin is, and I'm not con- trying to compare those two players; they're different players, but but certainly you can see the the jump that we're going to make here with Justin, and uh, and I can see those things as he starts to mature in the offense. Hey, we have every reason to believe Coach Eberflus at this you know at this point. Until proven otherwise, I know we've been hurt. I know we're damaged by previous administrations, but I'll choose to see the sunny side. Well, and I would also suggest that by when it's all said and done, I hope he has a higher ceiling than Dak Prescott. Um, True. You know, True. I mean, it would, it would, if that's a ceiling, then, you know, you live with it. It's good enough to be a, a wild card team, whatever. But if you want to win a Super Bowl, I think you need to be more consistent than Prescott. And, you know, Cole Komet said he's already seen inside the huddle uh, uh, the way that Justin Fields commands the huddle now. There's some growth already there. Um, but it's the, you know, the arm strength, the nose, you know, know what you're seeing when you're looking at it, know when to get the ball out of your hand, uh, whether he's going to have enough protection or enough running game or enough weapons to catch the ball. Well, we'll have to see. It's not going to happen this year. But, you know, you got to hope that he's the guy. You just ba- have to hope he's the guy. Yeah, baby steps, enough to notice a um, a positive uh, turn of events. That's what we can hope for. And you hope Luke Getzky uh, doesn't have to fire himself or get fired as a play caller. Yeah, like that maybe. would be nice. That would yeah. be a change of pace. 312-332-3776. We've got one more segment. Then we get to Tyler Aki with the pregame show here on ESPN 1000 leading up to first pitch as Kopech's on the mound, taking on the Rangers, hoping to grab one Today, which means we win the series. We need to. It's Hanley and Xander here on ESPN 1000. Hanley and Xander, ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2 and on the ESPN Chicago app. Comprehensive app filled with sports content. It will take you all day and then some to get through it all. Many days. Very easy to use as well. So we've got Kopech versus Gray. Um, we talked about the lineup today. Pollock is leading off. Brian, we've got uh, Angle in right field. Garcia is playing second base. No Josh Harrison today. Uh, Mendick is at short. At least we've got somebody who is hitting in uh, the leadoff position. Pollock's starting to starting to show what he can do. Yeah, don't need to see Lori or Yasmani up there anymore. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, I get what he was doing. He was trying to jumpstart him. That just doesn't seem to be the appropriate stage to do that. No, I like mean to give it, to give that kind of responsibility to see if somebody can respond. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Don't like it. The, the Yasmani thing, oddly enough, bothered me less at the time because that 
that seemed like you know Yasmani being a guy who's been around, he's been a starter, he's been an all star, all that. He uh, he didn't step up to the challenge, but he was trying to heat up his bat. Leori is just he's been given way too much responsibility, and unfortunately, yeah. we need him right now because we're short. Unfortunately, he gave him a three year contract too, and so. that's unfortunate as well. <laughs> that was a big signing in the off season. It's like, are you kidding me? Really? I mean, I was waiting know, to hear a name, right? And here's, you know, it's, it's, hey, look, it's lunch money when you look around. It's five and a half million a year, but it's 16 and a half guaranteed. And as you said, you know, you, you want to see him as a spot player, as a, you know, fill in guy. You don't want to see him leading off. And you drop him down to eighth and he goes three for three and scores a few runs. That's great. But you don't, because he's being paid as if he's going to be a big contributor, doesn't mean, doesn't until mean he's he start- going to rise up to the occasion exactly and do that. that. Right. But again, He's he's on the list of problems certainly, but the Johan Mancatas of the world and Grandal, and and up and down you go. Now Giolito for the last few starts hasn't been good enough that and yet what he needs to be. Huge start for Michael Kopech today. <clears throat> they got to win this game and they got to get out of town on a winning note. And then they get you know uh, seven games away from the the crowd that's getting uh, a little disenchanted with everything. Yeah, just a little bit, right? So what what are the odds today that we're going to hear that chant to get at some point? Oh, see, then that means things are going south again, right? right. And by the way, they did the wave in the fifth inning. You know that that that's the not a good Tony sign. Wave? No, it wasn't <laughs> waving goodbye to Tony. It was the wave wave because it was five to nothing, and I guess people were getting bored. And then it's five to four, and ooh, ooh you got yourself a game. Yeah, did it on not, Friday too yeah. before Seager hit that homer, and then it followed up with a fire Tony. Yeah. Hey, okay, so I say we're, we may be three for three today. By the way, i oh, got to call out our very own Jake Cantu. By birth, he is a fan of what team? The Texas the Rangers. The Texas Rangers, yeah. <laughs> I've been hiding <laughs> it the whole time. The, no, because we blew two worlds, and I'll say the we, because I feel like I've earned suffering that much. Two sure. World Series back-to-back that I just, it's just like, a, I don't know, a disease at this point. Well, it's so, heartbreaking I, to hey, be well, a fan. I, I grew up a Cubs fan. We didn't sniff a World Series yeah, until yeah, I was right. 56. Come on. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. What are you complaining about? Yeah. Well, I mean, we did. We were uh, up against Detroit. It's Jake problems, right? It, it was a best of a best of five. You win two games at Wrigley and you go you just to win, win one in San Diego and you can't do that. I mean, come on. Um, yeah. So, Jake, you know, you're way ahead of the, uh, you're way ahead of the you're curve. You're doing okay. Terms. Could yeah. be yeah, a I mean, worse. I guess I got a, a brand new AC stadium out of it, so... Hey, were you uh, were you the one driving the car with the the horns, the hook'em horns on the that Mark saw coming in today? Yeah, yeah, the hook'em horns. Yeah, yeah I got hey, the new thought- Illinois uh, license plate today, so trying to blend in with the crowd. <laughs> yeah, wow. well, yeah, good luck with that. I mean, these horns were like they were bolted to the hood. It's like this is not something that they're used doing for a day. This was making a statement. We like how to ride we- horses in Texas. <laughs> we don't drive cars. How, how old was the car that you would bolt? Seriously, it was it was no more than six, seven years old. And, it and was you know, it was really funny. I drove by. It's like, what is that? It, it, Illinois plates. What is going on? I thought it was the Benny Bullmobile. Uh, Benny no, the Bullmobile. Well, no? Hey, look, it may have been. And he was out of costume. <laughs> and they're not allowed to. You can't see the mascot with the head off. Well, well, I maybe and, I and, did. Maybe and I they're just not supposed did. to talk either. They're not supposed to talk. No, so, no, no talking. No talking. No talking. You just swing the fifty-pound bag of popcorn all over the people each game. Yeah, and you know, I, I tell you what, the Benny the Bulls have been pretty good over the years. The and and when I saw how much they were paying the one of the original Benny the Bulls at the United Center, some kid who I think was a gym, a gymnast in Oregon or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a hell of an entertainer. I think he was making a quarter of a million dollars. I got some inside sources on that, yeah. No kidding. Yep. I never uh, heard about that. Not the one who was selling weed. That was not Benny the Bull. That was <laughs> the other one. Um, what was the other bull, the other mascot? who ride the scooter around, I think, Chicago Fest or Taste of Chicago, and he got busted because he was selling weed or whatever. But, yeah, I vaguely but, remember that. I, I don't know how much I can say, but I knew uh, a friend from high school. He was, well, he did announce it. He was the Longhorn, the te- one of the Texas Longhorn mm-hmm. mascots. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, the, he would tell him he was telling me the stuff that they would do throughout the year. You know, different conventions, flying him out sure. to L.A. Sure. Yeah, so amazing. A lot of personal yeah, appearance money. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and then yeah, then you get the the secrets on the salaries, and you're like, well, maybe Ooh, I could that, uh, yeah, not yeah, talk so, for a living. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe DePaul should have a program for mascots. Um, you know, and the San Diego Chicken, who was you know number that's the, one. That's probably the most famous in the history of mascots. Until he started tackling women, and then they, <laughs> then they had some issues. Wait, and didn't Morgana? That would now she yeah. wasn't really a mascot, but she could have been one. Yeah. Does anybody remember her beyond uh, Brian and me? No, Jake's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Look up Morgana Morgan. Oh, oh yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. She with the uh, enhanced. Uh, yeah, she uh, was very enhanced. And she, she would, would run, run out onto and, the field and, and kiss, kiss all the players. Kiss all the players. Yeah. yeah, he's looking it up right now. Yeah, and and yeah, we'll see if they get a filter on the on the computer. Yeah, be careful. Be yeah. careful. Be careful. <laughs> all right, so we've got a Twitter poll to wrap up here on ESPN One Thousand. Once Tim Anderson comes back healthy, and you had your choice as GM, you play Rick Hahn for the day. Who would you DFA? And you have to pick one of these because the obvious answer might be both. But we need players. That's the problem. Josh Harrison, Larry Garcia. The other one is other. Don't move them. Now, somebody did reply, Hayward. And I know you're a fan of that, <laughs> Brian. It, it wasn't me. Yeah, uh, wrong, yeah, wrong side of town. But, yes, we understand what you well, mean. Well, now that Suzuki's not coming back anytime soon, he got a retreat. Right? Yeah. So. And then uh, somebody else re- replied, TLR. I'm okay. not sure you could DFA roads, Not in this roads, sense of uh, roads, designated for assignment. All roads lead back to fire Tony. Yeah, so uh, you want to wrap that up, uh, Jake? What was the final on that? Or are you checking Ranger statistics? No, he's oh, checking yeah. Morgana. Get off yeah. that page already. And- I, I did put up some John Gray statistics, though, for us. Uh, but for the poll, Josh Harrison leads it all with 64.3% and Larry Garcia with 268 and then my right in the other eight point nine percent. Why? Why? Why does Harrison have such a big target on his back? I don't understand that. It should be a little closer than that. Should be. I mean, like you said, he was an all star in twenty fourteen. Right. Now that's that's a while back. Right. You know? No, it is. It yeah. is. But he I, also I have, he yeah, also I had brings more hair that back then. He, it wasn't great. He also brings he also brings that energy. And has he played enough to play himself out of this funk? I don't think so. And Working he's, again, on. not in the uh, lineup today. Yeah. And he, yeah. he's got the most triples on the team, Jake told me. Well, there you go. Got there you go. There's something. Yeah. All right, Brian, we're going to wrap this up. Tyler Aki's got the pregame show next. Leading up to Connor McKnight and DJ with the play-by-play here on ESPN 1000. First pitch against the Rangers. 110, Kopech versus John Gray. And uh, we're hoping for for everyone who weighed in today and joined us. And yeah, a lot of phone calls. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you, Jake. And uh, thanks, Brian. We'll end up talking to you you again next week. And hopefully it's all positive stuff about the White Sox. I'm sure it will. Yeah, we we hope. All right. For Hanley, it's Xander. This is ESPN 1000.